0: On today's episode, please welcome Forrest Pendleton, Chairman of PAN,
1: Pilot Assistance Network. Here's your host, Ryan Argento. Welcome back to another episode of Engage. I'm here with Forrest Pendleton. He's the Chair of the Pilot Assistance Network, PAN. First of all, Forrest, welcome to the show. Welcome to the position. Thanks for being here, and thanks for all you do for the Delta pilots. Now, thanks. It's my privilege. I'm
0: excited to be here and talk with you and talk about pain. Pilot mental health is something I'm passionate about and I'm happy to talk for hours about it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, it, and it's really front and center right now, not just for pilots, but mental health in the United States in general. World mental health is becoming a, a central focus point and pilots are no exception, right? We're human beings. We all have feelings too, despite what the bumper stickers say or what people think. And this is an important topic and an important service, it's near and dear to my heart. And I appreciate what you do and it's a peer-to-peer network. And I'll let you go into the the description and the details, but from my perspective, it's, hey, I need a buddy. I need somebody to talk to, I need help. And it's talking to a pilot and it can be for a myriad of reasons from, hey, I need help with medication that I'd like to take all the way to, hey, I'm feeling depressed and I have these life events going on in my life, wide gamut and it's all confidential. And I really love what you do. So let's dive in there. Forrest, tell me, what is the Pilot Assistance Network? What do you do? And who are your volunteers?
0: Sure, yeah. The Pilot Assistance Network is a union committee. And what we advertise as being a confidential peer support network. Diving into those confidential, we do not talk to anyone about you. We give no identifying information. So you're not going to talk to us and then hear about us from the chief pilot. You're not going to talk to us and hear about it from your LEC rep. You talk to us and we talk to you and that's where it stays, unless you want it to go somewhere else. Next we're up peers, like you said, you fly the line, I fly the line. Our pilot group is in large part very competent, very capable, and can handle the vast majority of things that life throws their way. When I'm going through a rough patch, I can talk to my sibling or my neighbor and get some help. But they're a teacher who's home every night, makes it to all the parent teacher conferences. So they just don't really understand the challenges of being a pilot and what that brings. And so we are peers, we are Delta pilots. Some of us are on long-term disability, but the vast majority of us are active, flying the line pilots broadly what your life looks like. And then yeah, we're a support network. We're take a wingman approach to it. We are, we're not going to take ownership of your problem, but we are going to walk through it with you. We're going to explore different paths that you have available in front of you, help you see the different options that you have. And then we're going to walk with you as you choose which path you want to go down. We're not therapists. We don't provide therapy, but we're really good at listening. Talk therapy is really valuable and different studies say different things, but up to somewhere around 50% of the efficacy of talk therapy is just in the empathetic listening, the non-judgmental hearing what the concern is. I think there's incredible value about taking something that's overwhelming and taking over your mind and speaking it into words, giving those limits, those boundaries to the problem. And that's what we can do. That's what we can offer. You can sit and listen to what's going on with you not worry about judging you about what decisions you've made so far, and then help you form a vision for what goes forward. We've got about 40 volunteers, give or take, that are on the call service. And most of the volunteers are DEI trained as well. Some callers that only need one call after the end of the call, okay, I'm feeling better. Let's move forward. We also have callers that talk to their PAN volunteer for weeks, months, even a year as they're going through whatever challenging thing that is in their lives, whether it's a parent who's sick and and on their way to the the next chapter of life, or a child who is taking drugs, or whatever that is, we can walk through it with you so that you're not alone, which is the biggest challenge in today's world, I think, sometimes.
1: Yeah, I think it was Ram Dass that said, we're all just walking each other home. Yeah. And, And this is what it's all about. And I think you make an important distinction of, we have people in our lives that you can talk to. You can talk to your parents or your family or a friend. You could even talk to a therapist, but they're not pilots. And, yeah. and that's an important distinction is that when you call a volunteer, they understand the, the intricacies of what you talked about. Hey, I'm going through a divorce or my parents are sick and I'm, I'm dealing with that but I'm also starting a six day trip tomorrow. And I know I'm gonna get rerouted and I'm supposed to be in Oakland and I'm gonna visit my parents who are sick, but I know I'm gonna get, there's all these things that volunteering go, yeah, I totally understand. So here are some options that you can take, right? There's an innate understanding of our careers and our lifestyles, which I think is an important distinction. You mentioned you're not therapists, you're not uh, qualified medical personnel, and that's okay, but you do have access to a number of resources, right? If if I get to a point with you and I say, hey, I think I do want to talk to a, a therapist, are you able to help guide that as far as how a pilot seeks help? Yeah, so we have a lot of tools in our toolbox,
0: and we also know what tools are in other groups' toolboxes to help the pilot. That's when I was talking about looking at potential paths. We can help you realize what options are there for you. So if a caller says, Hey, yeah, I think I want talk therapy. Great. Here's the different ways you can do that. Here are the concerns or the benefits of the different ways. Here's how you can pay for the different ways. If a pilot is going through a divorce or something specific like that, we know, Hey, the pilot family matters committee is a great resource for that. Let's talk to them or I regularly call a chief pilot on behalf of the caller with their permission to advocate, say, hey, this pilot is talking to Pia and here's a concern. We need them to get this next trip off their schedule. We have a lot of resources available for those pilots. At the end of the day, being a pilot at Delta, there's an overwhelming amount of information to keep track of, right? We need to keep track of all the updates and all the things in AeroDocs. For that 99% of the time when we're on top of things, we don't need this, it's hard to know When you get to that 1% of time, what available resources there are. And that's what we're trained in. Our volunteers have that information and can help you walk those next steps.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. And I will say most chief pilots are very pro-PAN. In fact, I've heard stories of, I've gone to the chief pilot to get some time off to deal with a family matter. And the chief pilot says, hey, have you talked to PAN? And so there's some compassion there or at least a overlap there. Are you experiencing that as well? Yeah, we have a, generally speaking, a great relationship with all the chief pilot
0: offices. They see us and recognize us as a resource for our pilots. And they send people our way that think that who they perceive could use our help. And they also uh, are really receptive when I call and say, hey, again, this is always with permission of the caller. But if the caller asks me to, I'm happy to call and say, hey, I'm talking to this pilot. This is broadly what's going on in their life, or even not say, hey, we're not going to get into details, but this pilot needs his next four day." Laws in order to deal with personal things. And we rarely, if ever, get any pushback. They are appreciative of the fact that we're helping. We are advocating for pilots just like they are. And we have a great relationship there. Awesome. I don't want to jump too far ahead, but how do you get a hold of Pan? Historically and today, our primary way of getting a hold of, of us is
1: by calling a phone number. So if you call, it's eight 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 four DAO PAN. It's also eight 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 four three two five seven two six. It's eight 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 four, D-A-L-P-A-N, if you can remember that. And I will put those phone numbers on the description of the podcast to make it easy for you. Yeah, that's the primary way you get a hold of us. But additionally, we have just
0: recently created another means to get a hold of us, which is a website-based. Actually, if you don't mind, would you be willing to walk through it to help our, the listeners see how
1: hopefully simple it is? Yeah. Let, let's do it. So before we jump into that, I want to ask, so I'm feeling like I want to talk to a pan volunteer and I call one 800 4 DALPAN. Who's answering the phone? what What's going to happen from there?
0: Great question. We pay for a call service, a company that picks up the phone and says, you call Pilot Assistance Network. Would you like to talk to a volunteer? You say yes. Then they put you on hold and they call down our call tree until they connect to an available volunteer. And then they connect to you. They hang up. So it's just the caller and the volunteer and it goes from there. Hopefully that's only a one or two minutes on hold sometimes, depending on the time of day and our volunteers are active line pilots. So they're out flying the line. Sometimes it can take a little bit longer to get in contact that was one of the reasons why we decided that doing the pan position report was a great alternative to that so for those people in the younger generations who just don't prefer a phone call or for people who feel like waiting for a little bit to get in contact is untenable doing a pan position report is a way to get in contact with a pan volunteer without having to pick up the phone so the way it works is you go to the Delta Alpo website, which is dal.alpa.org and log in and then click into the pilot assistance network homepage.
1: Again, I'll link that to the description. And if you don't know your login, when you get to the Alpo website, at the very bottom, it'll say, don't know your membership number, don't know your password. You can click those and reset them. And then you can get to the pilot assistance network page.
0: Yeah. And so once you're on there, there's a really big
1: hyperlink button that says pan position report. So go ahead and
0: click into that. I'm
1: doing it. Yeah. So I've logged in. I'm on the website. I went to the pilot assistance network and in the middle, it says pan position report. I've clicked that link and it opens a window. It says a confidential callback service from the Delta Alpha pilot assistance network. The phone number is also linked. It says want to talk immediately call 888-432-5726 and it's hyperlinked. So if you're on your, mobile device it'll call automatically and then it says choose the following please call me when a pan volunteer is available or you can select please call me within 24 hours or it looks like you can select please call me at the following time and when you click that it opens a calendar you can select the date and the time and what happens there somebody's going to call you
0: yeah. So the whole idea of this is that you put in information and then we will call you. The only things you have to fill out are uh, when you want to call and your phone number, obviously, so you can call you. There's also optional things for your name if you want to, and a general concern, again, only if you want to, and then hit submit. It's really easy. takes 30 seconds. That produces a email that's sent to the PAN leadership. We get it. We assign it to a PAN volunteer and they will call you back. Hey, I want to talk to someone at PAN, I don't feel up to talking right now, but I know that tomorrow I've got an hour starting at 9 a.m. Eastern, you click the please call me up, you put in that information, you put in your phone number, and a PAN volunteer will reach out to you tomorrow at 9 a.m. Eastern to have that call.
1: Yeah, I, that makes sense. I think that's a great way to do it because A, I think it's probably a sometimes a difficult call to make, right? You're dialing this number, you're talking to a stranger at the call service. And then you don't know who's going to pick up the other line. It's going to be a Delta pilot. They're going to help you. They're very compassionate people. But if that is not your style, then yeah, this is a great way. It's like when you call customer service, you're on hold and it says press eight, if you want to call back. Now, somebody's going to call you back when you're in a a time and a place where you can maybe get to a place that's quiet and private and have that conversation. You talked about confidentiality, and I I want to hit that again, because on the form, you don't have to fill out your name. It says optionally, you can tell them what the issue is about, but you don't have to. And so in that confidentiality setup, so now you're on the phone with a volunteer, and do you have to give them your name? Do you have to say, I'm a 320 pilot? Do you have to say, I'm a captain or, or an FO? Could you just say, hey, I'd prefer not to tell you my name, but here's what's going on, and I need some resources. I need some help. Yeah. It's your phone call. You get to make the decision.
0: So up front, I just want us to make sure we, we, it was really important to us when we created that website that we got confirmation that website is isolated from the general Alba websites. There's no way for them to capture that information. If you put in your general concern, that doesn't go anywhere besides to the leadership of PAN. And then we obviously keep that confidential. Additionally, on the phone call, you get to decide how much you want to tell us about yourself. Understand though, that What you say is confidential. It will not go outside of that phone call without your permission. So you don't have to tell me anything that you don't want to. However, you can tell me all the things and it doesn't go anywhere. So you can say, I'm feeling depressed and not be worried about that ever coming back to haunt you in the future
1: or having someone else find out about that. Yeah. It's not transmitted to the company in any way, the FAA in any way. This is truly a confidential chat. It's not even
0: transmitted within the pilot assistance network. According to Apple rules, there's always a second touch. The volunteer who's talking will contact, after the phone call, contact one person in the leadership of PAN to go over the conversation. But look, it's all de-identified. We never find out, we don't know who the pilot's name is. We don't, or certainly not employee number. And the focus of that second call is to make sure that the volunteer didn't miss anything or give any bad information. But yeah, it is even within the pilot assistance network, you are de-identified.
1: We don't ever know who you are. Got it. What about, so now you've made contact with a volunteer and maybe this is an ongoing thing because you can talk to these volunteers as often as you like what if you become comfortable with a particular volunteer and they're really helping you out are you able to maintain that relationship or can you always call that particular volunteer or does it always cycle back to someone new
0: no there's no starting over the first thing that we do when i pick up the phone i say hi i'm forrest i'm a pan volunteer do you know what pan's about make sure we're on the same page as far as understanding confidentiality and that sort of thing but then the next thing i do is i say hey before we get into this here's my phone number Write it down. You don't ever have to call and again. Just call me and we can talk directly. If you're comfortable, I'd love your phone number so that I can get a hold of you. But you don't, that's fine. Just take mine down. Yeah, our volunteers, like I said earlier, sometimes one phone call is enough. You just blow off steam for 30 minutes. You feel better. You've defined what the problem is and you feel good about moving forward. But man, sometimes it's ugly, it's dirty, like things, life happens and you are going to be in it, whether you like it or not for the next nine months, 12 months, whatever. That pan volunteer will be by your side to whatever degree you want during that. We have volunteers who have relationships for years with just checking. It's not, it's not like, it's not like that you owe them anything, but they're just checking in every couple of weeks say, Hey, how you doing? Hey, I know that this court date just happened how are you doing? It's just, it's a wingman. It's an opportunity to make sure you remember that you're not alone and that you get the support that you need.
1: I like it. With that type of relationship, I'm talking to Forrest, the PAN volunteer. He's given me my number and we don't have to have a conversation all the time, but could I just text you a question or get some support? I'm on a trip in the middle of the trip and something comes up and it triggers me. Can I just fire a text to you and say, hey man, I'm feeling this way. Just need to know you're there. Is that okay too? Yeah. Yeah,
0: absolutely. It becomes a relationship. It becomes a situation where I'm here to support you during your challenging times. No different than if my brother was going through a challenging time and he needed that resource as well. But yeah, I get a text, hey, this sucks. This just happened. My husband and I just had a blow up flight and I'm now driving to the bar.
1: I could use someone to talk to. And then you talk, and that's, that can go on for as long as is needed. So backing up, you have mentioned a number of topics uh, a sick family member a sick kid uh, special needs can you give just some more examples of because some, some, sometimes you might feel silly calling pan for what you consider a small or silly topic but to get that one thing off your chest or off your mind could be a huge relief is there anything too small or too big that pan can you just want to throw out some blanket topics. And then I do want to lighten it up and talk about things that you don't want to call pan for, like they probably can't reset your password, things like that. Yeah, we can't reset your password, but we're certainly not
0: offended when we get those phone calls. I would rather get nine people. They were trying to get pilot assist rather than the pilot assistance network and find that one call that actually wanted it than to get no calls at all. Broadly speaking, we get calls from pilots who are feeling overwhelmed and need some level of support. That looks like the new hire who's failed two sims because their child is sick at home to the 62 year old who's just thinking about what comes next and I don't know, and that feels overwhelming. Most things that life throws at pilots, it's family related or it's health-related, or it's job-related. And any time that you don't see a very clear and obvious best path forward for whatever life is thrown at you, reach out to Pan. Again, we are not the experts. We don't necessarily, we don't even guarantee we're going to have the answers, but we will listen to you. We will hear your problem and make sure you're not alone. And then we do have a bunch of
1: resources that we can reach out to help you understand what the potential paths ahead of you are. Obviously, recent events and current events in mental health. If you've looked at or, or listened to the news with pilot mental health, and you have a broad range of resources, you're well connected. And PAN falls under the aeromedical committee at ALPA. And within aeromedical, they have resources that connect to AMAS. We, we refer to it as the people in Denver that we should be the medical FAA.
0: advisory service, I believe is what it is. But yeah, they're the ALPA aeromedical service.
1: And so when you have those questions, hey, I want to take an SSRI or I need to take, uh, that would be an antidepressant uh, medication, or I have cancer and I need to take uh, medication and I'm not sure I'm ever going to get my medical back. Those are overwhelming scenarios and you may not have the answer, but you can walk them through and say, hey, let's talk to AeroMedical and then let's talk to AMAS and they can translate and, and demystify some of the FAA things, I like to say our expertise
0: is only an inch deep and a mile wide. We know what other people do know, right? So I don't know the details of how to go onto LTD for cancer or how to go through the process of coming back. But I know the people who do, and I have personal relationships with them. And so our volunteers can say, hey, I'm going to connect you with the aeromedical committee and so that they can help you with that specific thing. Or I'm going to connect you to the retirement insurance committee so that they can help you transition onto LTD. Or here's AMAS, here's what they're amazing at, and here's their website that you can go on and look up medications and whether you can take them and fly or not. We can point you in the direction of the experts because that's what we're really good at. And then we could also walk with you while you're going through that. So we're not going to just point you in that direction and say, bye. We're going to point you in that direction. And then we're going to follow up tomorrow and say, hey, did you get a hold of AMS? How was the situation? How are you doing right now? And continue that support relationship for as long as it needs. So right, you mentioned mental health and specifically pilot mental health as being in the news. It was crazy to me. I knew we were doing this podcast today when I opened up the Seattle Times this morning. I actually didn't even need to open it up. On the front page was an article about pilot mental health and uh, concerns with that. Just recently, we all know that there was a jump seater who, we don't know the details of what happened, but it's safe to say was struggling with mental health and almost caused a devastating catastrophe. Thank goodness that didn't happen. Thank goodness there were pilots on board that were able to stop that. I don't know the details. I probably never will. But when I look at that, what I take away from that is that the narrative is broken. This pilot, according to the deposition, said that they've been depressed for many months. They were having some external situations going on in their life where life was throwing them difficult things. And they decided that the best path going forward was to try psychedelic substances. That, from their perspective, that was what the best path was, which to me means that the narrative is broken. The, The system, perhaps, the support system? Yeah, the support system, but oh yeah, I guess I use the word narrative because for many years, I think until 2011, a diagnosis of depression for the FAA was disqualifying and thank you very much. Good to see it. What actually is the case now, I have the privilege of having a relationship with the FAA federal air surgeons, Dr. Northrup and her team of psychiatrists. They are on the pilot team. They are advocates for the pilots and they have allowed for SRI's. They are all about how do we get a pilot who has taken themselves out of the flight deck temporarily to take care of their mental health back into the flight deck. They are on our side, but they are working against 70, 80 years of inertia of the pilot, team knowing that if they were depressed, if they were anxious, that they're all alone. They have no support structure. And so we need to do a better job of changing that narrative, of letting our pilot know what resources are out there, know that feeling depressed is not going to end their employment, that there are ways to get mentally healthy for the long term and still be a pilot.
1: Yeah. So really it's debunking the myths or debunking, like you said, the 80 years of momentum that pilots are fine. Your pilot has no mental health issues. He he or she does not see a therapist. They are tip-top all the time, type A personalities, detail-oriented, first in their class. And for the most part, that's probably pretty true. But I'd want my pilot, my surgeon, someone who's responsible for my life. It's like, how's your mental health, buddy? Oh, did you go to your therapist? Did you go to yoga today? You're feeling good? Yeah, let's do it. That's a different kind of vibe that we should be really looking for and supportive of. And it sounds like through slow movement, but it sounds like there is movement with the FAA in supporting pilots who need to take that time off to get back into the cockpit. This isn't a career ender. You don't have to stifle things or push it down. Things are changing, right? Yeah, I actually, if there's one thing I'd love people
0: to take away from this, I want them to hear this next statistic. Pilots he report to the FAA that they have a mental health disorder, whether that's depression or anxiety or whatever mental health disorder of those over 98% make it back to the flight deck. Now you will have to, we can get into details of this more later, but you will be out of the flight deck for while you get on medication and make sure that you're getting the therapy or the support that you need, but 98% will make it back to the flight deck and be a productive member of the Delta pilot group. And specifically for those of you who are hearing that and think, what if I'm in the 2% there think schizophrenia, think psychotic breaks with reality. The people who you would not want back in the flight deck for people who have even severe depression. If you're willing to put in the work to get in good mental health and you are willing to put in the work to do the paperwork to show that you are there, we're looking at 99.9% of them. Virtually everyone will make it back to the flight deck. And most importantly, they will make it back to the flight deck mentally healthy for going forward in good mental health.
1: And I think the key takeaway there is in good mental health, right? You don't wanna live your life depressed. You don't wanna live your life with anxiety or, or any of the things going on, whether you're a pilot or not, whether you're flying or in the cockpit or not. And so I think that's a win where you are healing yourself, you're healing your mental health and you're getting your career back. And and I want to draw a parallel and then ask a question. And so the parallel is when you get sick or you have an injury, you break a leg, you may lose your medical temporarily, or you come out of the cockpit, you go on short-term disability, long-term disability, you have maybe DPMA if you subscribe to that financially you're supported in that realm and then there's a prescription right you go through the process you can walk and lift a certain amount of weight on that leg you get your medical back and go back bigger things critical illnesses cancer etc same kind of prescriptive formula maybe you lose your medical for a little bit you come back prove that the cancer is in remission and you come back What what i'm hearing is it's a similar process for mental health that Perhaps you get that assistance, you can get medication if need be, and yeah, you may be out of the cockpit temporarily, but you then get your medical back just as if you had broken your leg or had a a critical illness. Yes, it's the same way. The typical
0: person calling PN is overwhelmed with something and they're thinking, okay, well, I feel depressed. Therefore, I'm going to lose my medical. Therefore, the company is going to fire me. Therefore, I'm not going to get paid and I'm going to lose the mortgage and the family is going to go and become destitute. And none of that is accurate. And what we do is help people understand that. Yes, the FAA treats depression, and anxiety, the same way they do. Cancer is a great parallel where let's take you out of the flight deck. You're going to go through your sick leave. You're going to go on to LTD and get DPMA. You're still going to get paid. And during that time, you're going to get the help that you need, whether it's medication or therapy or a combination thereof. You're going to be able to then look back and prove that, yep, the medicine that I'm on is working and the amount of it that I'm taking is working. It's good. So then let's get our paperwork back. We're going to get your first class back. It might be a special issuance, which is fine. And then you're going to move forward from there and be back in the flight deck. No different than if you uh, were out for
1: a more medical
0: centric uh,
1: problem. Got it. I do want to ask about FAA reporting requirements. That's a a confusing topic. And what I mean there is filling out the form 8500 that you fill out every time you go to get your medical renewed, whether it's every six months or every year. And it asks, uh, list all your previous doctor visits in, in the past three years. And where does mental health come in? What do I have to report? What do I not have to report? Like, how do I navigate that? And I assume that's something I could call PAN for and say, hey, I need to go to family therapy because my spouse and I are, you know, at each other. Do I have to report that? Great question. Yep. I would say that
0: it's a very common concern of our callers. Hey, how do I go to therapy or counseling without losing my medical certificate? Item 19 on the form 8500 is the one where it's visits to health professionals within the last three years. And it's specifically the directions for it state the applicant should list all visits in the last three years to a physician assistant, nurse practitioner, psychologist, clinical social worker, or substance abuse. The applicant should list visits for counseling only if related to a personal substance abuse or psychiatric condition. So if I go for marriage therapy, if I go to talk with my son, with a therapist or counselor, that is not required reporting. If at the end of the therapy session, the therapist wants to diagnose me with a psychiatric disorder, then that is reportable. I would say though, that again, try to change the narrative. It's important that you have a good relationship with your AME. If I go to a therapist for marriage counseling, probably it doesn't have to be reported. I probably will put it on my form so that my AME and I talk about it. He checks in and says, hey, you doing good? Yep, I'm doing good. Okay, it's fine. It's no different than saying, hey, I went for my annual eye exam. But then they know what's going on in my life. But going back to your specific question, the reporting requirements are only for counseling and therapy are only if it's related to a personal substance abuse, so if you're falling under HIMS or DPAC, or if it's a psychiatric condition, i.e. you get diagnosed with something like depression or adjustment disorder or something like that.
1: Okay, very good. And, and I think that's another highlight is if you have a question, call PAN. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's, that's what we're here for. I wanna turn to the company's provided program, the Employee Assistance Program, the EAP, which if you're familiar with has great benefit to provide paid counseling sessions, as talk therapy sessions for all employees, but for Delta Pilots provided through the company. There's been some changes over the years. And and again, this goes back to questions of reportability and diagnoses and, and things like that. Where do we stand with, I think they're calling it now the Spring Health EAP?
0: Yeah, to answer that question, I think I first need to zoom out a little bit and talk about mental health support in the United States in general. We all know, I think it's safe to say that the medical insurance system in the U.S. is not ideal. Mental health insurance functions the same way. So insurance will only pay for talk therapy if it's, quote, medically necessary. And the way that happens is I go to a mental health professional for talk therapy and I want insurance to pay for it. They say, great, I'm going to diagnose you so that I have proof that it is medically necessary, which for 99% of the population is just fine. I can be a teacher, a contractor, I can be almost any job with it have anxiety or have diagnosed depression and it does not affect my job at all. So that's the system. For pilots who are really concerned about that, what we recommend is using private pay. So if you take insurance out of a situation, most mental health professionals are happy to say, oh, you're paying out of pocket. Great. Let's just not worry about the diagnosis and focus on what you want to talk about. So Spring Health is the new EAP that Delta is providing. And in a lot of ways, it is a great product because it has up to 12 sessions per person in your family per topic uh, or three. And it's also a now. So they will get you connected. It's probably going to be over Zoom or Teams or something, but they can get you connected to someone within 48 hours, which is really great when you're in crisis. However, they function as if you are paying insurance. So their standard practice of care is to, at the end of the intake, Give some sort of diagnostic code. That diagnostic code may or may not fall into the category of um, psychiatric disorder. But what you want to do is first and foremost, if you need help, his talk therapy would be useful, get it. Then reach out to your Amy and make sure they're aware of what's going on say, hey, I'm talking, I'm using my EAP. At the end of the session, they told me that they're going to diagnose me with generalized anxiety disorder or whatever. What do I need to do now to make sure that my I's are dotted and my T's are crossed so that I can maintain the flight deck? And the AMEs are experts at that. They'll be able to walk you through it. From our perspective, Spring Health is a great asset in certain circumstances. If you choose to use it, just make sure that you're aware that, have a conversation with them, up front. hey, I'm a pilot, don't surprise me with any diagnoses, let me know what's going on so that I can coordinate with my AME so that I can make sure to do right by the FAA.
1: Yeah. And that, that sounds like a good path to take. And maybe that is paired with a call to pan. Again, Absolutely. hey, yes. I'm, you don't I'm have considering considering. this. call right. us and we'll walk you through it again. Yeah. Hey, I'm considering talking to Spring Health EAP. What are the gotchas? What are the benefits? And go through it that way. Absolutely. That's what we're here for. So I want to zoom out, like you said, just a hair. And that is, so if you're listening to this and I view this as there's two pilots who are going to be listening to this. One is going to say, everything in my life is great. I don't need this. And that is wonderful. But put it in your back pocket because you're probably going to fly with somebody who's man, I'm going through some stuff, and That should be your little ticket to say, Hey, I heard a podcast about pan. Why don't you listen to the podcast and then call pan. And then there's another subset of pilots who may listen to the skill and Hey, this sounds pretty good. I should make a phone call. I think I'm feeling overwhelmed. I I have anxiety. I have depression. So now what, what are the next steps that if I'm listening to this and I feel that overwhelming feeling, I want to talk to forest, right. Or I want to talk to, to somebody, where do I go? Big picture, you are feeling depressed. And now what?
0: First thing to do, reach out to us. We are going to be there with you and we'll help you walk through the steps. The steps are broadly going to look like calling in sick, using your sick time. And then, so let's take it. It's a couple different ways. It's your interaction with the company, your interaction with the FAA and your AME, and then how you're getting healthy again. So the company, you're going to go on sick leave. You're going to use up all your sick leave. And then go into long-term disability with DPMA, short story, you're still going to get paid and you're still going to stay employed. From the FAA, you're going to start working with your AME and start getting the help you need. So whether it's medication or talk therapy or a combination of the two, and you're going to start annotating what's going on. So that you start having a history of that. It will take some months to get established on the right regimen of medicine and therapy and show that it is working. And then it will take some time to put in the paperwork to get the FAA to give you a thumbs up for the medical, but it will happen and we'll walk through it with you. And then, yeah, the getting healthy, it's going to be working with a psychiatrist, most likely to figure out what faa approved medications work best for you and what doses work best for you. And then working through, again, with a psychiatrist or mental health professional, some sort of talk therapy to help you get to a good, healthy place mentally. And then once you're there, and once that paperwork goes through, you're back in the flight deck. Most of our volunteers or people who have used PAN themselves and found it useful, found it helpful to help them through that challenging time and want to pay it forward. So when you're calling, you are often talking to someone who has in some level been there, done that. In fact, I'm hoping to coordinate with you, Ryan, for real soon, let's do another podcast where I have one or two volunteers on who have been through this very thing. So rather than me saying, here's the process to get through it, I can say, first, you're going to do this. And then they come in and say, here's my experience with that. So the listeners can hear from someone who has actually walked through it and hear that first person's story about it.
1: Love it. Yeah, we'll absolutely do that. And this will be a continuing relationship between the Engage podcast and Pan. I think this is hugely important, important message to put out and a wonderful resource for everybody for Delta pilots for sure. Yeah, thanks for your time. I appreciate your willingness to
0: do this. Hopefully you can hear. I am passionate about this. I think that the mental well being of our pilot group is of foremost importance. And Pan is a resource for you and for the rest of the pilot group. And so I'm glad to have the opportunity to talk about it and let people know about it because we're only as useful as we are known. And if people don't know us, they can't use us. We can't be useful. I'm glad for this opportunity.
1: Thanks so much, Forrest. And, And I know several of your volunteers and they are equally as passionate about it. And that's so important and so appreciated from the pilot group. And so again, thanks for all you do. And thanks for supporting Delta Pilots and walking us down that path. And we appreciate it. You, man. It's been my privilege and pleasure. You're listening to Engage, the podcast
0: with Delta Pilots.
1: Follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast platform and receive notifications when a new episode is